Galatians chapter number 3, and uh, we'll, we'll read verses 10 through 14. And I'm thankful that we can go verse by verse through the Bible, and we can study the Bible together. And it doesn't matter what I say. It matters what God says. It matters what God's Word says. And so we're thankful for that. And in the day and age that we live in, the voice that needs to be the loudest and needs to be sounded true is the Word of God. Not my opinion, not what I think, just what does the Bible say? And that's what you're going to get every single time you come to Heritage. You're going to get what does the Bible say? We're going to go verse by verse, and we're in Galatians chapter number 3. Let's begin reading in verse number 10. The words, are, the, the scriptures on the screen if you need to look at that that way. But let me read verse number 10. It says this, For all who rely on the works of the flesh are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Verse 13 says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Can I start by saying this this morning, that everyone is looking for acceptance and approval. Everyone is looking for acceptance and approval. No matter where you're at in your life, no matter how secure you are with yourself, at some level, at some point, and in some situation, you are trying to find acceptance and approval by other people. We do this all the time in the different roles that we play. Come on, if you're a mom, you're trying to find acceptance sometimes from other moms, right? You're on Facebook and you think, man, you think you had a good day and you got your, you know, your child up and they, man, you got them bathed and you got a nice meal and, and you know, they didn't spill their Cheerios and you took great pictures and they smiled and they didn't cry and you think, wow, man, I'm so thankful that, I'm, that God has given me the grace to be a, a good, patient mom. And then you go on Facebook and you see 20 other moms who had a 10 times better morning than you, and you think, wow, I'm such a failure, right? That's how we do it sometimes, you know? Or, uh, you know, you're a man, and you're trying to plan out, you know, your wife's anniversary trip, and you think, man, I got a great thing planned. We're going to go, you know, to Leesburg, to this restaurant. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be nice. And, and you think, man, I'm just so romantic. And man, I tell you, my wife is so blessed to have me. And, and, and man, we're going to have a wonderful time. And then next thing you know, you go and you talk to your buddy at work and he has the same anniversary as you guys or the same month. You say, what are you doing? Oh, we're going to this little place in Leesburg, a little Mexican place. Oh, she's going to love it. It's going to be great. And I got her a, you know, a, a DVD player or something for her anniversary. By the way, don't get your wife a DVD player for your anniversary, okay? And don't ask me how I know you should not get your wife a DVD player for your anniversary, but fellas, trust me, all right? Some of you young fellas, trust me, okay? All right? Just go ahead and ask her what she wants. You're safer, all right? Your marriage is safer. But you go and you tell, and he goes, oh man, I'm taking my wife on a helicopter ride and we're going, you know, over the Capitol and we're going to have, you know, brunch and, you know, at a beautiful restaurant and you think, wow, Man, I'm such a failure. I thought the Mexican place was going to hit a home run. And listen, so many times we find ourselves trying to gain approval from other people. And the reason why we feel like we're not good enough or we're inadequate is because someone is always better. Someone has always got it more together than we do. 
Someone is always thinking ahead. And why don't they have the same problems that we do? And we compare ourselves among ourselves. And the Bible says that is not wise to do. And so we feel like that we can't find approval with our mom friends. We feel like we can't find approval at work because the work we do is never good enough. The boss is so nitpicky and it's never just the right way. And I wish he would just one time just say to me, hey, good job instead of good job, but or good job. And can you add or good job? And it's never good enough. And so we find ourselves not finding approval at work. Not finding approval with our mom friends, not finding approval in, in, our, in our home, maybe not finding approval with our spouse, and all these areas we don't find approval, and now we have to approach God. And the same way sometimes that we try to find approval with everybody else is the same way that we look to find approval with God. And we approach God with this mindset that if I just have it all together, if I just have it right, if I can just get it perfect, if I can just be better than the person next to me, that somehow God will approve me, that somehow God will love me more. And so many times we get discouraged in our relationship with God and we think, man, I'm not a good Christian. I'm not a good believer. I'm never going to measure up to God's standards. Why? Because I'm just not perfect. There's so much pressure to be perfect sometimes in life. I remember when my wife and I started dating, we met in college, and uh, she was a, a sophomore in college, excuse me, a junior in college. I was a freshman. She, she liked older men, and so uh, she, she used to be younger men, and uh, so, we, uh, so we started dating. We, we, we became friends first. It was a wonderful thing. What a beautiful thing. We should write a book sometime about it. It's a wonderful thing. It'll probably sell five copies. My mom, my grandma, maybe one of the guys here will, will do it, but it's a wonderful story, love story of for ages. They should make a movie about it. Steve and Becky, right? And uh, one part in the story was, I remember when we went on our very first date. I mean, this was big. We were friends. We were, we were just getting to know each other, and I was really trying to win her heart and win her over, and I was doing, I think, a pretty good job of it, you know, trying to do things and be nice. Well, at one point, she looked at me and during that time, and she said, I hope you don't think that I like you. Thought, you know, I you know it's made it abundantly clear right there. I appreciate that, right? But I kept pursuing, I kept going, I kept moving forward, right? Kept trying to, I kept going, right? It didn't derail. You know, one thing I learned about Pastor Steve, man, I don't get derailed easily. You know what I'm saying? She said, "I don't like you. Get away from me." Okay, I see what you're saying. So you're saying there's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance, right? And I remember finally I wore her down to the point where I said, "Let's go on a date." So we went on a date. We were in college. And we went to this really nice restaurant called Claim Jumpers. We went to college on the West Coast, and uh, it was a wonderful restaurant, great place. And, and so we're sitting there. Man, it was, it was a big moment, you know. It was a big moment. I mean, I, I got I to turn it on here. This is my, like, you only get one chance to make a first impression. This was my opportunity. So I wore my best shirt, you know. I actually busted out my Ralph Lauren shirt with a little horsey on it, you know. I wanted to know that, you know, at least my grandma had some money, right? I may not have money, but my grandma got this shirt for me. I wore my best shirt. I remember she wore a, a, a sweater, a kind of turtleneck sweater. Do you remember that turtleneck sweater that you wore? Remember that? And uh, turtleneck sweater. And it, things were going, guys, things were going great. They were going good. I mean, everything was good. We ordered, we talked, great conversation, you know. And then came the moment where I said, hey, let's go get a coffee. Even back then, right, I was, uh, I was a part of that. Right, let's go get a coffee. And so there was a Starbucks right uh, just across the parking lot uh, from the claim jumpers. And so we, we left the restaurant. We walked over. You know, I'm trying to do the whole walk, talk, you know, be suave, you know, kind of be interested, show her I'm interested in her conversation, you know, all these different things. And, you know, 
out of the corner of my eye, I knew we were coming up to a curb. And, and, you know, and so I thought to myself, okay, that curb is coming up. It's, it's coming. I can feel it. I can sense it, you know, and I'm sure it's OSHA regulation, you know, however it needs to be. I'm sure it's not higher. I don't think it was OSHA regulation. Okay. I'll tell you why in a minute I'm talking, I'm trying to be Mr. Smooth, you know? So in my mind, I'm thinking like, you know, I'm doing like this as she's talking, you know, trying to find that curb, you know, and, and next, you know, I'm talking, she says something. And the only thing I can remember is I'm looking at one moment, I'm looking at her face and next moment I'm looking at the ground. Let's just say I didn't, I didn't step onto the curb. I stepped into the curb and literally went face down on the ground, on the curb, and I thought, Lord, take me now, Lord. Come quickly, Lord. Take my life, Lord. Let me not come up from this, you know, like, that's like, Corey, want to get away? I wanted to get away as far as I could in that moment. I can imagine my wife at that moment, right, looking down and go, this is the guy who's going to take care of me the rest of my life, right? I'm supposed to put my trust and confidence in this, in this loser right here on the ground, right? And of course, Becky's, are you okay? Are you okay? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, I try to play it off. Boy, I was so embarrassed. I thought, oh, man, it couldn't have gone any worse. I was trying to get approval. You know what I wanted Becky to do? I wanted her to go back to her dorm room and say, you won't believe the most magical time. I have Prince Charming, got nothing on Steve, right? And I mean, I wanted to go back and tell all her friends about how wonderful I was, romantic I was, and how smooth everything went. And yet I, I can't imagine what she said. She said, hey, you never believe what happened. This dude was trying to talk to me, and he fell flat on his face. What a loser this guy is, right? No, she wouldn't do that because she's a Christian, and she loves the Lord, and she encourages people. She would never do that. She probably started praying for me a little bit more, is what she probably did. But I'll tell you, I was so, man, I, I wanted things to go so right. There was so much pressure for it to be perfect. And it wasn't. And the question is this. The question is not, what do we do to get it perfect? The question is, how do we respond when it's not perfect? And this is what Paul is approaching these people with, these, these believers in Christ who were trying to navigate through the Christian life, who had accepted Christ as their Savior, and now the Judaizers, Judaizers being people who thought that you had to keep the law in order to maintain your salvation, are coming in telling them, hey, you can accept Christ as your Savior, that is okay, but now you've got to follow the law, and you've got to do what the law says. You've got to have a relationship and religion. And Paul writes the whole book of Galatians to say, no, you don't. Christ has set us free from that. The gospel has set us free, and now we don't have to be perfect. And he addresses that in verse number 10. He says this, he says, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. He says, if you are relying upon religion to get you to heaven, then you are cursed. That's what he says. Not cursed in that, you know, man, your team will never win the World Series or never win the Super Bowl. Not that type of curse, but an internal damnation, a curse that is away from God. That The curse meaning that when you die, you will not go to heaven with God. You will spend eternity separated from God in hell. Why? 
Because if you rely upon the works of the law to get you to heaven, to get you to God, then the Bible says that you are cursed. And you think, man, that's a really bad thing to say. I, I, I wish it wasn't in the Bible, but we preach verse by verse. And so here's the next verse. And I got to tell you, listen, this morning, if you in this room are thinking about how can I hold on to my religion? How can I hold on to my works? How can I be so good that God says, wow, man, you are so impressive down there on earth. Man, you just were so awesome. Come on in. Yeah. Hey, get them to the front of the line, man. They were, whoo, man. They did all kinds of wonderful stuff. Come on in. If you're thinking that way, the Bible says that you will not spend eternity in heaven with the Lord, but you are cursed. Boy, that's a bad thing to say, but it's true. When we rely upon the works of the law, we are under a curse. Why? For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law. Now here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that the only that that if you want to follow the works of the law and you want to rely upon the works of the law, then the level that you have to reach is perfection. He says you have to abide under and obey every single word of the law at all times without ever offending one single time. That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. And so he says to these believers, listen, if you want to choose religion over relationship, if you want to follow the works of the law, then the expectation is perfection. And so many times we think, okay, God, if I'm just perfect, if I just you know, pray and I, and I always acknowledge you and, I, and I'm always kind, then maybe somehow that I could get into heaven. Maybe somehow my good will outweigh my bad and now I can go to heaven. Listen, you may be really, really good your whole life. I mean, you may live to be 100 years old and you may never sin one time in your whole life. And at the end of your life, if you like may, you have a bad thought or, or maybe have a snappy word towards, towards the nurse because you're 100 years old and you're about to pass away, right? And and you're a little short, even though you've had a hundred years of perfection, if you offend one time, the Bible says you're cursed. That's a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. For God to approve us, He's saying, if you want to follow the law, then you better start being perfect in everything. And He says here in the next verse, He says, now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. Why? Why is it evident? It's interesting he uses the word evident. He, he basically says it's obvious that nobody can be justified. Justified means to be declared righteous before God. When God looks at us, we are declared righteous. Why? Because he takes our sin and trades it for his righteousness. And now we are declared righteous before God. And, and Paul says, listen, we know it is clear, it is evident, it is obvious that nobody is justified before God by what they do. Why is that clear? You know why? Because nobody's perfect. And nobody can continue to be perfect. And though you may put on yourselves pressure to be perfect, to try to get it all right, to have it all together, you will fail. You will mess up. Your kids will agitate you. Your husband will get on your nerves when he leaves his socks out for the 40th time. And you told him, pick up your socks. And you say, and you try to tell him in Jesus' name. But then now, you got to get a little ornery. You know what I'm saying, right? And you got to get those socks up. And listen, there's nobody in this room this morning that has to feel the pressure to be perfect. You know why? Because even if you tried your best, you would come up short. Nobody can be perfect. So what do we do? If perfection in religion 
is, is what Paul is saying could earn you favor with God. And no one is perfect, then how do we get approval from God? How do we earn God's favor? Because see, I, I want God's favor. I want God's blessing on my life. And I'll do anything I can to get the favor of God. And if I try to approach God the way I approach my mom friends, if I try to approach God, I don't have mom friends, by the way, uh, you know, but um, if I try, try to approach God the way that I approach my, my work, if I try to approach God the same way that I try to gain approval from everybody else, and God says, no matter how much you do, no matter how many times you go to church, no matter how many times you read your Bible, no matter how many times that you pray, no matter how many times you give to the church, it will not earn you any more approval from God, then we got a problem here. How do we gain approval from God? How do we begin a relationship with God? How do we get God on our side? How do we earn the favor of God? You see, so many people today think that they've earned God's favor because of what they do. Christians and non-Christians. You talk to someone who's not a Christian, who's never had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and they'll, you ask them, how do you know you're going to heaven? How do you know that you have favor with God? How do you know that, that you've earned God's approval? And they'll say, well, man, I'm, I'm a really good person. And, I, and they're, I, honestly, I think they're sincere when they say that. They'll say, man, I'm a really, really good person. Or, you know, I mean, I'll I tell you, I mean, I'm not that bad. I mean, I do some bad stuff, but, you know, I'm not that bad. You know, like, my, you know, my, this guy over here, you know. Right? Or they'll say, well, you know, I go to church all the time. Go to church all the time. Yeah, I'm always in church. And, you know, I, I'm always trying to, you know, or, man, I'm always kind to others. And so many times, if we're not careful, we will give ourselves a false assurance that we have a relationship with God based upon what we're doing for God. That somehow that God sees us and we are the exception to the biblical rule. Can I say very clearly this morning, and in love and in grace to God knows who needs to hear this. Can I say this? That there is only one way to get to heaven. There is only one way that you can earn favor with God. There is only one way that you can find approval in God. And no matter who you are, no matter what you do, there are no exceptions to that one way. You say, well, what is it? Look at the next verse. It says, the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not a faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. There's the hope that we have. My friend, this morning we need to understand that if we're putting, ourselves, uh, putting on ourselves pressure to be perfect, to have it all right so that somehow we can gain approval to God, somehow we can find access into heaven, somehow so that we can uh, find favor with God and we work hard and we're really nice and we try to do good things and we find ourselves in church, even in a pandemic, man, we're here in God's house. Listen, those are all good things, but those things will not gain you approval. There's only one way, and it's because Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. The only way, my friend, that you you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you can have approval with God, that you can have access into heaven when you die. The only way is by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ and what He has done for you as your personal Savior. That's it. 
The Bible says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name among heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The Bible says in John chapter 14 and verse number 6, it says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. He is the only way to heaven. And thank God this morning that we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to have it all together. We don't have to follow religion. We don't have to do all these things to gain God's favor. It's not what we do that, that gets us to closer to God. It's what God has done for us. And the fact that Jesus Christ came down from this earth, that he was born of a baby, who laid in a manger, lived on this earth for 33 years, dealt with all the sins and things around him, and then, praise God, died on a cross for our sins, shed his blood for us, was buried, and three days later, praise God, he rose again from the grave, proving that he was God, proving that he was king, proving that he was the only way to get to heaven. And my friend, listen, you can try to come to church, you can try to work, you can try to be religious. You can try to be perfect, and it won't get you anywhere but hell. And I say that with all the love in my heart. I'm not mad. I'm not angry. I'm just trying to tell you the truth this morning. That you don't have to be perfect. Because somebody was perfect for you. Christ has redeemed us from the law. My friend, it's very simple this morning. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you're trying to figure out how you can approach God and get approval with God, can I simply say to you this morning that if you'll simply realize that you can't work your way to heaven, you can't earn your way to heaven, you can't earn God's favor by what you do, and you'll simply, by faith, call upon the Lord and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I can't get to heaven on my own, but you've redeemed me, you've bought me back, you have set me free. You took my place. And I'm trusting in what you did for me, Jesus, on the cross as my way to get to heaven. And the Bible says if you'll pray and accept Christ, that you'll begin a relationship with God. And you'll be born into the family of God. You see, Pastor Steve, how did you become a Christian? Just the way I told you. I was 14 years old. I remember I was at home. I was suspended from school. Don't ask me why. I will never tell you. But the Lord saved me that day, right? Okay? And I was suspended from school. And uh, I was in trouble. And Pastor Steve wasn't always the good pastor that you see him up here, right? And uh, praise the Lord for God's grace and mercy. Come on now. Don't be looking at me like you're perfect, all right? Come on now, right? And I was suspended from school. I was, I was about 13 years old. And uh, my mom was talking to me. You know, I'd gone to church my whole life. You know, I'd gone to church my whole life. I was in the youth group, right? I knew all the things. I knew all the verses. I knew all the Bible stuff. I knew that. But I had never put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And that day, my mom said to me, she said, Steve, are you a Christian? Are you saved? Because the way I was acting didn't really, didn't really testify that I was saved. And I remember, no one had ever asked me that question. You know why they didn't ask me? Because they thought because I was in church, I was saved. Because I was a part of the church, I, I mean, sure, I'm sure he's here because I'd, I was holding on to false assurances. And I remember going in my room as a, as a teenager, I remember getting on my knees. You don't have to get on your knees. This is what I did. I'm kind of a dramatic person anyway. So that's kind of what happened, you know, very emotional, dramatic person. And I got on my knees and I just said this. I just said this to the Lord. I said, Lord, if I'm not saved, please, please save me. Please come into my heart. Forgive me my sins. Take me to heaven when I die. I'm not trusting in myself, but I'm trusting in Jesus to be my savior. And when I prayed that, God saved me and radically begin to work in my life. 
And I'm saying to you this morning, it doesn't matter what your past experiences are. It doesn't matter necessarily that you maybe had an experience that you think, oh, well, I had this experience, so therefore now I must be a Christian because I had this experience. It's not an experience. It's a decision that you make. And it's not a decision to come to church. It's not a decision to get baptized. If we could get people saved by getting them baptized, we would just push everybody into a pool and be done with it, right? But we can't do that. Water baptism doesn't save anybody. Coming to church doesn't save anybody. Giving to the church doesn't save anybody. Of an experience that a spiritual experience doesn't save anybody, my friend. It's a simple acknowledgement. I cannot save myself. I cannot be perfect. I am under a curse, and Jesus Christ came to set me free from that. I'm trusting in Jesus as my Savior. I'm making a decision today to trust in Christ as my Savior. And when you do that, the Bible says, praise God, your sins are forgiven. They're as far as the east is from the west. You are born to the family of God, and you can never lose that salvation. You are sealed until the day you die. And when you die, the Bible says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And my friend, the hope that I want to share with you this morning is that Jesus Christ loves you, that He has redeemed you, He has set you free. And if you'll simply call upon Him, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved saved. And that, if you'll do that, you'll begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. You'll have hope. You'll have purpose. You won't have to rely upon religion. And you'll relinquish the pressure to be perfect. Because Christ is the one who has redeemed us. It says in verse number 14, it says, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. God wants to bless you. And the first blessing he wants to give you is a personal relationship with his son, Jesus. And this morning, I just, I don't know what's going on in your life, but if you're looking for hope, if you're looking for some answers to the problems that we're dealing with in our society today, if you're trying to make sense of it all, if you ask yourself questions when no one's around and nobody knows what you're saying, you think, I wonder what this is all about. And I wonder where I'm going to go when I die. And I say to you this morning, that as a loving pastor, and as a friend, I just shared with you the only way you can get to heaven. The only way that you can begin a relationship with Jesus. The only way that you can find favor with God is not through perfection. It's through a decision to accept Jesus as your Savior. And I would invite you in just a moment to make that decision this morning if you need to do that. Can we pray together? Lord, we love you.